Hey guys, welcome to the Sound Girls podcast. This episode features an interview with Michael Bangs. With over 20 years of concert production experience, Mike Bangs has spent most of his career as a touring monitor engineer and production manager. On tour with acts such as Aerosmith, Eric Clapton, Katy Perry, Tom Petty, Kid Rock, Leonard Skinner, and Nick Jonas, Bangs has developed extensive real-world experience and has mixed well over a thousand shows across the globe. As an early adopter of live digital mixing, Bangs provided training and support for engineers switching from analog to many of the first large format digital consoles starting in 2004. In 2011, he adopted Allen and Heath as his console of choice for consistent touring, leading to a close relationship with the manufacturer. At the end of 2015, Bangs was added to the team as the Allen and Heath USA Live Sound Touring Manager to support the unique needs of touring professionals on the groundbreaking new DLive mix system. In addition to his role at Allen and Heath, Bangs works as a monitor engineer for George Strait and as an industry educator. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Do you prefer Michael or Mike? <laughs> I really don't care. You know, I'm not. I'm not fussy. Most people call. <laughs> yeah, most people call me Bangs. Um, it's just kind of my. I think everyone on tour gets a nickname. I got lucky that mine was just my last name. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, there are there are <laughs> yeah. some wacky ones out there. So. For yeah. sure. That's actually I'll, I'll one of the questions yeah. uh, we ask people, like what your roadie nickname is a lot, just just to yeah. see if they'll fess up to it mostly. <laughs> yep. That, that's all. That's all I got. So we'll get that question right out of the way. There we go. <laughs> uh, how did you get your start in the biz? Um, I came by it the old school way. I learned by doing. Um, I started out as, a, as an aspirational um, rock star and um uh, quickly realized that I wasn't very good. Um, and I also realized that being famous was kind of like a, a hell to me. Um, so I, I saw what, uh, what famous people went through. And, you know, as I progressed in the industry and spent more time with people with greater degrees of celebrity, I'm, I'm really comfortable in my choice now. Um, but, uh, you know, as, um, as a budding musician, you know, I, had aspirations and, um, as I said, was not that skilled. And so I looked for ways to separate myself from other people in my, in my area that were trying to do the same thing. And I, I realized that, you know, I may not be able to play better, but I could probably make myself sound better, um, by using some of the tricks that, uh, the, the big bands that I saw. Um, and so I started getting, you know, interested in, in reinforcement and I'm, I'm pretty, um, nerdy, mechanical techie, anyway nice. um, you know i'm one of those kids that that took everything in the house apart and drove yep. my mom crazy um so it was a natural progression for me and and from there you know i i got pretty good at that stuff and i was doing it for my own band and then um, people started saying hey you know can you help us with this and so it, it slowly transitioned to no more playing and just focusing on the on the tech stuff and then i, I went through you know, as a, a club kid, um, as house engineer in clubs and um, doing regional touring for regional bands and then uh, moved myself out west to make it my full time and um, just went on from there. So it's just a, a slow, steady progression. Did you, uh, when you got out west, did you work for like a production company or anything like that? Or you just kind of, I did. Uh, well, my first move, um, I'm from the Midwest. And so my first move was, uh, to Arizona and through a mutual friend, I was actually lucky enough to, uh, work for Mr. Robert Scoville. 
and um, he, yeah, it's not not a bad guy to know. Right. And uh, we we got to be quite close. And uh, he actually it was like the the third of four or five times that that he um, retired from the industry, which I understand <laughs> because I'm now in my third time of retiring from the industry. Um, so uh, he said, you know, I've taken you as far as you can go. So I got you a job at Sound Image in Southern California, which is always where I wanted to be anyway. My, my cool. intent, I'm a, I'm a water baby. So I always wanted to be near the ocean. Nice. And uh, Sound Image is only 16 miles from the Pacific Ocean. And so it was kind of a, a dream gig for me. So I uh, literally uh, had this conversation on a Saturday afternoon. And Monday morning, I was no longer in Arizona. I was living in California. So just packed up and... and <laughs> Uh, and trove off. Wow. And uh, yeah, and that was a, they, they still are um, one of my favorite companies. Um, they're just a great organization full of great people. And uh, so that's Very where cool. I, you know, really stepped into the, uh, the large scale touring was with Sound Image. And I was stayed that... with them for several years. And, um, you know, we, we parted amicably. I just, I mostly transitioned into production managing um, exclusively. And, you know, there's no, uh, there's no company role for that, that that's, you know, you're independent at that point. So, right. Is that where you kind of jumped into digital world was with sound imaging around that time? It, it started, it started before that. Um, you know, I had friends and, and connections, you know, um, where I was, uh, you know, getting exposure to digital as it was kind of coming online. And I had, you know, spent a lot of time trying to learn, the, the old ones, you know, the uh, O1V and O2R and, the, you know, those oh, old yeah. nightmares that, yeah. that we all had to see. And so, um, you know, I had been, yeah, <laughs> this was even, yeah, long before LS9. I yeah. had LS9 on Katy Perry, believe it or not. And really? I can't even tell you how many times I wanted to throw that thing. Yeah, that was our first console. <laughs> wow. Uh, was an LS9. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll leave that. Um, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had quite a bit of exposure to it before then. And when I got to Sound Image, um, it hadn't really caught on. And so I spent um, a lot of my you know, first couple years at Sound Image um, still touring on analog. And even though you know digital consoles were, were there and they were showing up and I learned them, I was one of the first people to get, you know, kind of uh, become a guru on the um, PM1D and PM5D when mm -hmm. those were new. And I, I trained a lot of people on, on using those when they were new platforms. Uh, but I still didn't, that's not what I chose to take with me on the road. You know, um, mm -hmm. I was still kind of uh, begrudgingly clinging to analog, <laughs> even though I knew that I needed to be up on this digital yeah. stuff because it was it was the wave that was coming and i i did transition earlier than a lot of my friends and peers you know a lot of the the more experienced folks at sound image took a very very long time and they they didn't they only switched because they basically were forced to by production budgets and by truck space and and things like right. that where you know pms were saying no, dude, you just, you can't have 15 feet of the truck anymore, you know, so <laughs> you figure it out, you know, everyone yeah. else has gone digital, the band wants instant recall and, you know, all this stuff. And so a lot of people went kicking and screaming, um, whereas, yeah. you know, I don't want to say that I was happy to change, um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I realized that it was inevitable. So I tried to yeah. get in front of it. That was my next question for you is, uh, how were other people reacting to the changeover? Yeah, it was it was rough, and um, it 
it actually worked out really well for me. I kind of found a niche as, you know, a, a friend and peer and, you know, that was, that had a lot of knowledge in it. And where I was, you know, I'm nerdy. I still do this. I stay up at night and read product manuals and, and you know, <laughs> do online simulators and things like that. Um, and so I was doing that back then as these tools came online and uh, people, I was, you know, unintentionally became the guy to go to, to ask, you know, how do you, how do I do this? How do, how do I make this happen? And how, you know, and actually found quite a good niche, uh, in that just kind of, mm-hmm. um, informally helping my peers, you know, um, for mm-hmm. years I, I got, I mean, I never worked for, um, a manufacturer before I took my Alan Heath job, but for, you know, for many manufacturers, I got phone calls regularly from people on tour, like, Hey dude, uh, how do I do this? You know? <laughs> So, um, I'm still it's kind of funny that I ended up in a, an official, yeah, we all, we all need help sometimes, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I certainly, I, I make phone calls all the time, you know, so yep. I, I appreciate when I'm able to answer, um, someone's questions. I mean, that was the best thing about, um, taking this role that, uh, you know, I had gotten such poor support from every other console manufacturer that I worked with. Um, and had to go to friends because there was no official channel for me to get help. And so right. when they offered me that opportunity, I was like, yes, please. Somebody's got to figure this out and, and do this right. Because there's nothing worse than, you know, having an artist staring at you and you got nowhere to go. You know, it's just yeah. a, it's a really horrible feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want anyone else to have to feel that way. So. I just recently started mixing on the Advantage console. So now I'm going to start blowing up your phone. <laughs> Anytime you have my, my cell number is in my signature and feel free to use it. Anytime I, I take texts and, and phone calls 24 seven. And I actually, you know what? I can't complain. Um, people, a lot of people might complain. I actually embrace it. And I, you know, we joke about it and there are, there are consoles across this country that have my cell phone number P touched on the front of them, like right <laughs> under the screen. Uh, I, that's no joke. There are, there are that's several awesome. like that. And the, there's a QR code on the back of the, uh, of the D live, um, that takes you, if you shoot it, it takes you to the user manual. But the, the joke was always that you shoot the QR code and it just calls my cell phone. So um, I wish I'd have known you know that what, back I, when I was on a D live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, anyone that's on a D live should have my cell phone. And I'm, I'm again, I don't shy away from it. Um, so if you know somebody that's mixing on a D live or going out, you know, to mix on a D live, send them my cell phone number, please. Um, and tell them, don't be a stranger. Um, there was a point in time in the beginning where I knew every engineer, uh, you know, and had conversations with every engineer. We've, we've grown like wildfire. So obviously I, I can't keep up yeah. with it now, but I'd still like to. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that I am so, so lucky to have a job where I get to do something that I love all the time. And, yeah. you know, I get paid to talk about audio on a product that I'm <laughs> genuinely passionate about. So if I was to complain about that, what kind of jerk would I be, you know? So right. um, I try and be, be thankful for the situation I have. And, and I, we, we love our engineers. Um, I think that's one of the things that um, really separates this this company and and why I agreed to work for them because I was treated so differently when I was touring with these products than I was by any of the other manufacturers I'd worked with um, and I, I don't think that's changed you know but where it's gotten worse on some of our competitors we have worked tirelessly to grow that um, 
you know, that relationship with our, our engineers. And it's a really special thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, like when I would go to a, a festival like Coachella or, or Bonnaroo um, to visit with all the bands that were on DLive, you go into catering and all the DLive engineers are sitting eating lunch together. I've never seen anything like that mm -hmm. before. It's really special and, and really That's cool. That's cool. I mean, even people that don't know each other, you know, sitting there, you know, just catching up. And so it's, it's a neat, neat thing to be a part of. And I'm thankful for it. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, thank you for your humility with that too, you know, and just wanting to help everybody out because I think that's a lot of times, you know, when people get behind a console, they don't know, or a piece of equipment, they don't know, you know, having that person that they can just call at any moment and say hey dude i'm totally in the weeds here i'm confused and and that person not have an attitude or definitely answer their phone and all these other things you know that makes you want to grow with them and learn more and and just be part of the whole team you know and uh, I, I think from what i've experienced working on alan and heathgear um i've seen that in your company and with your company a lot so thank you guys for working on that and being hum humble humble I, ca I can't talk today humility being humility you know <laughs> <laughs> having humility there you go <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's always so amazing to have to call to get tech support and actually get a person like that can that, help you that's, that's the thing that we push on so we, rare. we answer our phones and we have a great tech support team but we also have over a hundred humans that are passionate and knowledgeable about these products in just in the u.s and uh we all yeah and you know like i'm gonna google it first and see if i can figure it out on my own before i yeah uh you know and that's fine bite um, the bullet and call somebody. <laughs> and that, that's great uh, you know we we appreciate that sure you know, no big deal but we, we also have a lot of people i definitely do that they don't they wouldn't even bother. They just sent the first thing they do is send me a text. And I'm okay with that too. So however you want to go about it. Awesome. What's uh can you share with us maybe some bad show experiences that you've had? And then some oh good boy. ones. We like to ask the bad and the good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Oh no, it's you know, the, you never remember the good ones. The right. the bad ones are the ones that really stick with you. Um, you know, I being a modern engineer, you kind of become, a, you know, a, a a point of focus for attack. Um, you're like the first place an artist would go when they're frustrated with the show. Um, and I actually, for some weird reason, uh, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't say I enjoy it, but I am basically unfazed by it, especially, you know. Um, I worked for an artist um, for five years doing arena tours that um, really just loved to punish everyone all the time, mm -hmm. and uh, that was one of the one of the first tours that I went on um, with Sound Image, and ended up being out there. And this was this was a gentleman that fired people like it was a bodily function. Um, and I somehow managed to, to keep my head down and, and stay out there for five years. But I learned a lot during that. Um, I was um, spat upon, had projectiles thrown at me regularly, berated and called names. And um, so, yeah, that was that was an interesting experience. You know, um, I had uh, one of my favorite ones. Um, and, you know, I don't like to call anyone out by name, but anyone that's uh, worked in the R&B world will probably know who she is. There's a, a wonderful diva singer and she's a tremendous, you know, Grammy winner, 
um, who went to sound school because she was convinced that every audio engineer was a liar and was filling her full of crap all the time. And so she <laughs> oh wanted my God. to know so that she could, you know, dispute anything that uh -huh. you said. And this person does not allow um, anything digital, does not allow anything inserted on um, her signal path. So you can't have a graphic EQ for her wedges, for example. Um, if it's not inherent in the analog wow. console, which has to be an H3000, by the way, which which was my... If she went to school for it, you wouldn't she be more open to these you things? You would think so. You would <laughs> hope so, but, yeah. but no. Um, yeah, a lot of quirks, like um, her vocal mic had to be brand new every day in the shrink wrap, and she had to unshrink wrap it and put it on the mic stand so that she knew that it was brand new every day. Likewise, um, oh. likewise with the XLR cable oh um, that was used for her microphone, had to be uh, zip tied in the packaging, and she had to see it be opened and, and run out. Um, but uh, one time she was um, very, and you would normally have to have three, four, maybe five monitor engineers on the call um, for a show with her. Mm -hmm. um, because the first three were going to get fired in pretty rapid succession. And then, you know, as the day went along, she would get bored and, you know, calm down a little bit. Um, but I came in as I came in as an engineer number six one time. And uh, when I got in there, um, they said that first thing I needed to do was repatch the back of the heritage because she had um, gone. She'd climbed over the doghouse and unplugged everything from the back of the console in a in a fit. Oh, so and and then she made everyone leave the room so no one else was allowed to plug it back in. So my first task was to go back in and she had to watch me rewire the back of the heritage. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that you know, I've, so did you get I've fired? Some fun and, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. That's impressive because I know who you're talking she, about. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's impressive to I be mean, one of the people who didn't get fired by her. <laughs> yeah, I actually never got sent away by her. Um, so, and I've done five or six shows with her where I came in as the, you know, I I actually made a bit of a career uh, as being a fireman, um, where you know everything yeah. is everything is wrong, you know, um, and it's the the first experience that five years with that person um, really is. Uh, helped me out a lot with that because after you go through that with someone, you're just utterly unfazed by, you know, there's nothing that you can sure. do that's going to upset me. And short of, you know, inflicting violence on someone that I care about, you're not going to, you're not going to get me rattled, you know? Right. So I just, I just stand there and just, you know, wait for you to wait for you to finish. And then, you know, then we can move forward with the day. So, and that's uh, what a horrible way to learn that lesson. That's <laughs> uh, okay. I'm, oh, boy. I'm a pretty, pretty mellow person as it is, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> it's funny. And, and some people that know me from my production manager days would be laughing about this because I was, um, wound way too tight as a PM, but, uh, <laughs> it's just my, my desire to succeed. Um, and I, I've since, uh, tried to make, uh, make amends for all of those um, people that I tirated over when, <laughs> when I was a PM. I was um, going to say, I get a little wound up when I'm PM in a show too. So I understand yes. <laughs> exactly that. I have, the, the, I, the, I have high standards. So me too. And I want to see it done excellently. And, uh, and I think that's sometimes 
at the I don't know what the right word is at the I've tried to not abuse my crew just to make an excellent show. Let's put it that yes. way. Um, but I learned wrong mm -hmm. also. And uh, from a guy who abused his crew doing that, you know, so it's like now trying to change that and realize I don't have to yell to get something done. And, and I can ask a lot nicer and, and instead of just being on edge and like just to get, you know, what I need accomplished at the right time. So I think it's a lesson learned, but like you said, you've, you've made amends. I've done the same. So <laughs> hopefully we're getting better well, as I we get older, anyway. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, all you can do is uh, learn from your mistake and move on. Right. Yes. And the, the good experiences I've had, you know, far outweigh, you know, like I said, unfortunately the, the, the bad ones stick out. Um, but uh, I try and focus on on the good ones, and I've been very lucky to work with some tremendously talented people and uh, really kind and wonderful people. I mean, the artist that I work for now, um, George Strait, is one of the most delightful humans you could ever want to know. Um, he's just a joy to to work with. Um, everyone, and it, you know, it's top down. It always is. So yeah. everyone in the camp is 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 delightful. It's you know, it's the opposite of the other experience that I mentioned, you know, this is, this is a guy, we, we give away a house. I should, I should say we, he gives away a house every show that we do, which is just That's unbelievable. so cool. So, He's just yeah, one of the coolest wow. guys ever too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I am not from a country music background and this is actually the f first country band that I mixed regularly. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't know his music ahead of time. Um, and, you know, had to be told that he has um, got more number one hits than any artist in any genre in the history of music ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah he's so, a legend. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So. But, uh, you know, music is music, so I, I, I do really enjoy his stuff now. Um, it's really grown on me. Actually, since we've been, um, you know, away from doing shows, I find myself putting on his his stuff in the car and wanting to listen to it. So it's pretty funny. I That's don't usually cool. do those kinds of things. But yeah. what, what have you been doing since we've been away from shows, live shows and all that stuff? Have you done any of the crazy pivot drive-in shows or any of the online type I, stuff? Or? I have not, I have not done any, um, anything like that. No, most of my time has been sent, spent sitting in this chair in front of this camera doing um, Zoom and Teams and those sure. kinds of things. Um, so I'm continuing my education, support, and development roles with Alan Heath. That takes up most of my time. Um, unfortunately, where before I was traveling um, two to three weeks a month and interacting with humans, now uh, you know, I'm staring into this camera rig. So right. this is actually, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I have a, I have a office studio with, you know, lighting and consoles and all that stuff. And, you know, I've got multi-cams with overhead shots and all that stuff. And it's great that we can do that, you know, but I, I so sorely miss the, the human interaction, you know, <laughs> when I was, yeah. uh, traveling, doing my, um, Alan Heath Academy trainings, I was doing, uh, two sessions a day, um, three days a week, um, 30 people ish per session. So, you know, um, almost 200 people, uh, a week that I was getting to meet and interact with and exchange ideas with, and that just getting, you know, pulled out from under me is, uh, was 
disappointing, you know, but I'm certainly, I'm not, I'm not trying to complain. I'm, I'm very lucky to be employed, um, where most of my yeah. friends and peers that were still dependent on, uh, production work, you know, are, are having a different experience. So I'm very thankful and in no way do I want to come off as complaining, but, uh, I mean, that's been the hardest thing is that, you know, I'm just, I, I feel so hard for all of the people that have been affected by yeah. this in, in a negative way. So, um, that's, I'm, you're still doing your part though with the educational stuff. I I'm mean, trying. That's been super valuable for a lot of, a lot of people. They've been learning what, when they can't Yeah. Work. And that's, you know, I like to focus on the positives and that's been the most unbelievable thing is just the outpour of, of knowledge and support, and, you know, the people doing YouTube channels and, and webinars and podcasts. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so cool to see the industry open up and, uh, you know, I've done a few events with Carrie that, that I was really glad to be a, mm -hmm. a part of. And I, I hope, I hope we can do more. Um, I actually, um, was able to sneak a inclusivity podcast into, uh, or webinar event into what is generally a very narrow focused, uh, event. And we had a really great time with that. Um, and I think, probably changed that event um, permanently as they awesome. saw the value of, you know, doing things differently and, um, you know, having a little nice. wider focus. And so, you know, those, those kinds of things are, are really rewarding. And, um, yeah. you know, I, it, it's great to, uh, you know, um, see all of the channels. Uh, my good friend, Drew Thornton, uh, who, uh, if he hasn't been on your show, you should, you should get him. He's a wonderful human. Um, and he's got a great, uh, channel called, uh, some of two buses, um, that's cool. uh, <laughs> uh, definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. And, uh, there's just so much good stuff out there. So, yeah, he's definitely on our list to contact, but I think I watched, uh, one of those webinars you did with Carrie, um, you know, and then talking about inclusivity a little bit. And, uh, that was something we wanted to bring up, uh, here and just talk about because, you're such a great supporter of sound girls and um we appreciate you as an ally uh for the women in I'm our industry so stoked to be a member and yeah yeah and i've been watching like this last week there's been some some fun rubbing going on and some not so fun you know uh conversations that are happening but i think it's helping push the needle forward and all of us banging on the glass ceiling you know is gonna help um what I, I don't even know like where to go with this question, but what, uh, what do you see as like one of the major problems, you know, um, with, with women not being able to get into the industry and people of color and, and things like that? What is, what is something that maybe you think is holding us back? <laughs> I think the, the number one problem for humanity is open-mindedness, you know, being willing to accept new ideas and things that are outside of what you are used to seeing every day. Um, you know, and it, it, it goes into everything, you know, it's yeah. not just, it's not just inclusivity. Um, it's not, you know, it literally like down to the food choices you make every day. You may, mm -hmm. you, you never had sushi before. You think it's disgusting because it's raw fish, you know, and then right. you try it and you find out it's the greatest thing on earth. <laughs> and that's really all it takes is to, yeah. to, um, you know, to be open to those things and to allow new ideas into your head. And when you're used to seeing old crusty, uh, white men 
standing behind consoles, then that's what maybe what your association is. Um, but when you realize that you know it, there's no there's no good reason for that. Um, right. It just it's just historically is what it is, and you find out that by opening the doors that there are so many other options that are you know uh, equally if not better. You know you never know until you try something. Right. And uh, that's something that I, I learned early um, in, in life through experiencing different different cultures. Um, I was moved around a lot as a kid. And um, so and food is something that uh, I relate to on a very high level. And as silly as it sounds, being open to trying new cuisines in new places and experiencing new cultures really helped me, you know, in um being open to everything. Yeah. Because it's 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 a big world out there and if you don't uh, you know if you don't try and take it in you're you're missing out. You know, we we only have a limited amount of time um, in this experience. So um I so I think that's the biggest thing is that people need to um, be open to new ideas. And I you know as a as a PM and um, as an engineer crave those kinds of things because I know that my focus is only so wide and by bringing in people that think completely differently than me and you know act and behave differently than me and have different backgrounds from me that yeah. I'm going to enrich the experience for everyone because uh, I we all need to be pushed out of our comfort zone you know yeah and life is a lot more fun on the outside of your box um, and I'm an introvert so um, by nature, I, um, you know, want to just hide in my cave, um, but I, I'm, I never have fun there. So, um, you know, being able to, to push out. And, you know, I started uh, one of my first uh, jobs as a professional audio engineer was at an underground punk rock lesbian bar. And um, the the experience there was priceless. I mean, it was just yeah. so much fun. The stuff that the stuff that I that sounds so much it was fun. amazing. And the the owner was the craziest pistol ever. She I love her to death. Um, there's a famous quote from her that I can't say, but because um, <laughs> it's you can say whatever you want. It's, 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 we don't it's, care. It's not it's not it's not child friendly. No, it's it's vulgar, and I would get in trouble. But I'll, I'll tell you off. I'll tell you offline if you want okay. to know, but um, definitely she, she was just always had me on the roll on the floor rolling. And, um, you know, I had a band come in um, that was all all drag queens that were all well over six feet tall. And the lead singer had a, a giant male organ shaped tube that he blew fire out of the end of it during their entire performance what? and so like yeah just <laughs> so much fun stuff you know and that just started me off um and you know i worked with a lot of female engineers that was not unusual to me i didn't know that it was a thing until i got into the uh large touring world and then i was like hey mm -hmm. where are all the women why are right. why are all the women only on the lighting crew you know, I don't, I don't, what, what's happening here? And the, the, um, and then the worst thing that I was suddenly exposed to is that the women that we did have that were very dear friends of mine were treated like garbage. And it really, really pissed me off. And I took 
a stand for it for, um, from moment one um, and alienated myself from a lot of people that I, and I'm not, you know, I appreciate that, but I'm not saying that for accolades. It's just, it's right. the only, you know, uh, my, my father has taught me to stand up for what you believe in. And um, so I, I did that, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't right. Um, you know, and the, uh, I just felt so bad that they had such a hard time, um, at things for no reason. Uh, you know, most of the time they were, they were much more capable and skilled and level headed than, um, <clears throat> than some of the people that were working above them. And, uh, right. you know, that's frustrating. So that was one of the many reasons why I wanted to become a PM is because I wanted to be able to pick my own team. I was, uh, I was just going to ask, um, and do you use, you know, obviously your contacts now that are women and, and other things like the EQL directory and stuff like that to find, uh, women in the business or you, you know, put out calls f specifically for that or those I do now. Yes. I'm not a PM anymore, but when I do still get a lot of calls, um, for those things and I always point people towards those resources, um, those resources were not as prolific back sure. when I was reg regular. I'm, I'm five years out of the game now. I've been in this Alan Heath yeah. seat for over five years now. Um, so unfortunately those resources, um, were not, uh, really there when I was in the, but I did, you know, try really hard to, to, you know, be as inclusive as possible for that same reason. As I said, I really wanted those differing dynamics in my team to have the strongest team, yeah. you know, and I firmly believe mm -hmm. that that's how you have a strong team is by having, you know, a lot of, uh, of variation, um, because when you, when you're very monolithic, um, you know, you don't, you don't see things, um, that, you know, you miss out on things that might otherwise be, uh, more apparent, you yeah. know, and so you have greater weaknesses. Agreed. Cool. Well, what is, uh, some advice you want to share with our listeners as we're wrapping up here? Um, the, <laughs> The, the greatest thing that I learned um, over time, and, and I struggle with this as we already talked about in my PM career, is that th there's no reason to not just be cool and be nice. Um, <laughs> you know, we're all under stress. We're all in the in the you know in in tough situations. But you have to remember that we're some of the luckiest humans on earth for what we get to do, and keep that in perspective. And just be cool. You know, you will never get work being an a-hole, you know, um, I mean, yeah. not consistently and it's a small world and mm -hmm. you will get a reputation for it. And, sure. um, also that, you know, whether it's, whether it's equipment or people or experiences or whatever, um, keep an open mind to everything, you know, when, you know, DLive is a household name now, but when we first launched it, I mean, I took this job to uh, launch this product into the production world, basically. And people were so close-minded and some people still are. They're like, oh, if it doesn't have this brand on it, it's gotta be garbage, you know? <laughs> and that's just ridiculous. Uh, my my yeah. thought is if you can only do one thing one way or only use one tool, you're not an engineer. That's not what being an engineer is. Mm -hmm. Being an engineer is being able mm -hmm. to figure it out with whatever you have, you know? When I, when I worked at that underground punk rock lesbian bar, I had a broken Mackie console where only half the channels worked <laughs> and the, you know, the, 
<laughs> the microphones were all smashed and had a wonderful cocktail of mystery fluids crusted all over them and you know all the all the fun yeah if you worked a club gig you know what i'm talking about you know, so it's, yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's what being an engineer is is you know being open-minded thinking outside the box and just figuring it out on your feet and if if you can't do that then you need to you know you need to work on those skills because um, I, I talk a lot about in my classes about what I call um, video game engineers that, uh, you know, they don't really understand audio physics. They don't really know how the console works. All they know how to do is drive it like it's Grand Theft Auto. Uh, <laughs> you know, they just know how to, you know, yeah. poke at the screen until the, you know, they, uh, you know, drive over their enemies or whatever the, you know, I don't play right. video games. So <laughs> my, my, <laughs> sorry, my analogies are not going to be very good. It's, um, it's fine. I'm, I'm as confused as you about those. So it worked for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> open-mindedness, knowledge base, be nice. Those, those are the things that will take you far. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mike. Uh, man, I had it was fun. Fun thank you for yeah, having me. To you. Thanks. Thanks for being here and being so open and, and willing to share your heart too. I appreciate that. I try. Thanks. And again, if, if I can ever be of assistance with anything, uh, you know where to find me. Hey, sound people. The Sound Girls Living History Project has some new episodes. The most recent episode features Suzanne Chiani, interviewed by Hasmin Jolito. Suzanne Chiani is a five-time Grammy Award-nominated composer, electronic music pioneer, and neoclassical recording artist who has released over 20 solo albums, including Seven Waves and The Velocity of Love, along with a landmark quad LP live quadraphonic. Here's a clip from that episode. It borders on magic. When I look at this machine... It just amazes me that when I'm performing with it, that I have such a warm relationship with it. I'm dancing with it. It's very alive. But it's also just a hunk of cold metal, and you have to bring the life to it. To watch the rest, check it out at youtube.com soundgirls. You're still here and listening? Clearly, you need even more, so check out our friends at Tonebenders and audiopodcast.org. Hey, everybody. This is Tim from Tonebenders. In our latest episode, we talk with four-time Oscar winner Richard King. He tells us about the ultra-complicated sound for Christopher Nolan's latest film, Tenant. We talk about creating interesting sound design for scenes happening in reverse, how to build cinematic body punches, and his thoughts on the controversy over the film's dialogue mix. Listen wherever you find podcasts or at tonebenderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. You can find out more information on the website, soundgirls.org.